Good morning and happy Easter from me. I know you've had that greeting already. It's a great morning to be together. Obviously, mums and dads are still coming back and other carers and grandparents, whoever takes the children out. Uh, It's quite a big process. It's an exciting process to have with taking the children. There's so many uh, scores of young lives that are out there being taught and encouraged and blessed. So it's great. But uh, it's a bit of a process for us. So if you're in the auditorium, could you find your seats? That will be helpful for me, just saving the extra couple of minutes. So if you're in here, and I can see quite a lot of you having really good conversations, but if you wouldn't mind now coming and sitting down, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. And then the mums and dads, as they come in, can just join us uh, and uh, we can get on and get finished in time. So I'm... uh, very pleased to be able to share with you this morning. It's always an exciting morning to preach. I'm John Groves, one of the leaders here, if you're a visitor. It's an exciting morning to preach, uh, Easter morning. Um, we're looking at I conquered Jesus, Vina Vici, I, whatever it is, the Latin bit. I'm not a great Latin scholar. I failed Latin. I did try, and I got, uh, I, I mean, in, we, I went to school in hard times, and, and you had to do a mock O-level which you did in January, I did a mock O-level and you had to get, I think, 30% in that in order to be put forward for the proper O-level. I've been studying Latin for five years and I got 20-something, like 25% in my Latin O-level mock. That was it. Finny, I was out. (laughs) Five years wasted. Didn't do Latin O-level. I'm not bitter. Um, Anyway, so I'm not interested in the Latin. We're talking about I conquered... Uh, We're talking about Jesus and the wonderful truths around Easter. And uh, it's a particular joy to be able to speak on a morning when we have baptism on an Easter morning. Because baptisms are a vivid demonstration, as we've heard, of us associating, when we become a Christian, associating with Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. When he died, I died. When he was buried, my sins were buried. My old life was buried. When he came alive, I came alive. I live in him for a new life. So it's an exciting thing to speak this morning and I want to speak, not surprisingly, around the resurrection. So it's not purely on the resurrection, it's on Jesus' victory. But let's read a passage in 1 Corinthians 15 which is reminding us of the resurrection. Paul writes to the Corinthians, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That would be a term for physical death. Some have died, but most of them are still alive. You can ask them. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born or born out of time. And let's go down to verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. 
you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's a great passage. In fact, the whole of that chapter 15 is a great, great chapter. And Paul starts by reminding them that this is about the gospel. Twice he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly, etc. He's talking about the gospel. Let's start there. The word gospel, which most of you will know what I'm about to tell you, but I want you all to listen and get something this morning, whether you've been a Christian for many years or not yet a Christian. The word gospel means good news. Okay? Now, this is a fundamental truth. Christianity is good news, not good advice. And there is a world of difference between good news and good advice. Most religions are some form of good advice. Some of the advice is better than others. Some of it is rather odd advice. But it's basically telling you how to live, how to cope, what to do, how to, uh, how to um, you know, be at peace or whatever the particular strand is. Right across the world there are multiple religions, but most of them are some form of good advice. Christianity is fundamentally good news. Now this word gospel in its original setting was used for a few other things. It wasn't originally purely a spiritual or religious term. It it had a wider use and the Christian uh, uh, world took it up and used it themselves. The word meant some event has occurred. This was the word. Some event has occurred that has changed things in a meaningful way. So it was probably in its general use a mighty victory in an important battle or the ascension to the throne of a very important king who would change the way things were. So it's an announcement of something that's happened, factually has happened, that you haven't done anything about, but as a result of what's happened, things have changed for you for the better. It's good news. That victory is won, and so the enemy's broken, and we are free. We've had a period of instability. We've got a new king and he's a good one and he's come to the throne. Whatever you like, good news, evangel. There's good news proclaimed to you. And the Christian faith, Christianity, is good news of that type. Let's just pause for a moment before we go any further and just go back and explore what I said at the beginning. There is a world of difference between good advice and good news. And you behave differently when you have good advice as opposed to when you have good news. Now, if you don't believe me, let's just think of there's quite a number of young people in this room. Let's assume that you are about to go through exams. Now, I know that's a sensitive subject as you get to April. If you're in GCSEs or A-levels or probably if you're a student at a college, exams are looming in your mind right now. Now, you can get all sorts of good advice about how to prepare for your exams, can't you? You probably are receiving it at the moment. 
Mum and dad are probably telling you it's very wise for you to do two or three hours a day of revision. Don't try and do it all at the last minute. Mum and dad will speak sagely. Have you done your revision? You can't have your screen time till you've done your revision or whatever it is. And they'll give a good, well, you know, you must work hard because if you don't get these exams, you won't be able to have a good job in the future. Lots of good advice coming in. Perhaps the school teacher gives you good advice. I don't know if what I'm about to say is correct, but going back to my, and it is a long way back, my uh, time, I can remember a maths teacher saying, now when you get into the exam, choose the, 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 the problems you can answer first, the easy ones. Do the easy ones first. Don't, if you find one's too hard, jump over and do an easy one. Because if you get locked around a hard one, you won't, you know, you won't, you'll lose confidence and you won't finish the paper. Well, that was pretty good advice. And we're all sitting there sort of listening, trying to understand it. Good advice. Let's compare that to the day you get your results. And let's assume, pray, please God, you get good news. So it's the day of your results, off in August sometime, and you go in or you look at it and you not only have you passed everything, you've got an A+, even in the subject you didn't think you would. Wow, how do you feel? Well, you know how you feel. We watch it. We see it on the television. We see big grins. Even boys get all excited and hug each other. Girls squeal and start crying. And, you know, and everybody's hugging everybody and grinning, hugging the teacher Good did. Why didn't you behave like that on the good advice then? When mum and dad said, you know, three hours every night, you ought to do three hours in the evening. Oh, wonderful, three hours. You didn't do that. When the teacher said, now always make sure you do the easy questions first, you didn't go, oh, wow, what good advice. Did you hear him? He said, do the easy ones first. Did you get that? You don't behave like that, do you? Well, like most normal people don't. There is a world of difference between good news and good advice. Christianity is not good advice. It's not like, well, we've got to try. I mean, in fact, good advice can make you quite anxious and stressed and bothered and irritated and fed up. It can have all sorts of effects. But the, the really good news is just glorious, whatever it is. If it's good news, you go, oh, wow, that's wonderful. Oh, that's glorious. It changes your whole outlook, changes your whole day. So this morning, everything we are going to talk about in the next 20 or 30 minutes, I want you to see it as good news. And we'll get there. We'll get it, I hope, by God's grace. It's good news. It's not good advice you've got to do loads of things about. It's good news for you to believe and enjoy. Amen? That is the Christian message. That is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. It is good news. just want to look at two simple points, really. I want to briefly talk about the fact of Jesus' resurrection. Because like I refer to in good news, this is not myth. This is not a nice story. It is news. It's history. It's like good news was. The battle has been won. Fifty, hundred miles away, men have bled and died but with one that's a fact and the enemies retreated you know the king is on the throne we have a new era good news that's the sort of quality we're talking about not just a great idea good news this has really happened let me give you a little a few 
bits of evidence. I'm not actually going to do the classic evidence thing and try and get into it. I haven't got time for it all, but I want to actually give you some things to think about just to reinforce the factual nature of what's happened. You know, in the decades around the life of Jesus Christ, both before and after him, there were dozens of messianic movements in the Middle East and in Israel. In almost every case, the messianic leader of that movement was killed or probably quite often was actually executed by the authorities. And after the leader had died and been killed, that movement invariably collapsed. Everybody gave up and went home. Of all those dozens of movements, only one did not collapse after the death of the leader. Not only did it not collapse, it exploded. In the course of the 300 years after the death of the leader, that movement spread throughout the whole Roman Empire and impacted it and changed it. Out of all those movements, why was the Christian faith so different? Christians would say it was because of what happened after the leader of the movement died. More than before, really. After he died, when he rose again, when for 40 days he taught his disciples, when he ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, the thing that made the difference was all the things that happened after this Messiah had died. And the very history of this movement is a startling testimony to the truth of the resurrection and all that comes from it. When you actually look at the evidence for the resurrection, it is impressive. I mean it's impressive. I haven't got time to do it this morning, but we're going to slightly do it vicariously by me telling you quickly of several people, there's quite a long list of them historically, who looked at the resurrection of Jesus to disprove it or to explode it as a myth and completely changed. They are well-attested people. General Lee Wallace was a 19th century atheist, uh, a highly educated man, and uh, he set out to write a book to prove that Christianity was a myth. And while he was researching it, he became absolutely convinced of the historical truth of the life of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. So he changed the purpose of his book, he changed his life, and he went on to write a novel called Ben-Hur, A Tale of the Christ, which was behind the film later made, Ben-Hur. He became a Christian, an active Christian, studying the evidence for the resurrection. Professor Simon Greenleaf was a Harvard law professor. He set out to disprove Christianity. He was an expert in law and in the law of evidence. And as he explored it all, he became to the conclusion that by the laws of evidence used in courts of law, the resurrection was probably one of the best, if not the best, attested fact of ancient history. That if you're looking at it purely on the basis of legal evidence, you could not uh, uh, fault it. And he completely changed again. The same happened to a guy called Frank Morrison, who was another lawyer, who set out to Uh, debunk Christianity and the resurrection, ended up completely convinced and wrote a book some of you might have heard of called Who Moved the Stone? And finally, a German Jewish rabbi called Pinchas Lapid also examined 
the evidence for the resurrection. Obviously from a non-Christian perspective with a view to disproving it. But he ended up writing a book called The Resurrection of Jesus, A Jewish Perspective, in which he concluded, I accept the resurrection of Easter Sunday, not as an invention of the community disciples, but as an historical event. Now, these were highly intelligent men. I've just given a selection. There are others who set out of their own admission to, to just disprove it, were irritated by the way Christians went on about it. And they were going to really expose it. And as they really looked at it, they said, oh no, this happened. Now we haven't time to go through their evidence, but you can, you can read some of the books on it. But the fact is that Jesus really did rise from the dead. He really did die and he really rose from the dead. Even in its first century setting, Paul writing to Corinthians is pretty bold He says, this one saw him, that one saw him, that one, 500 saw him at one time. Most of them are still alive. You can go and talk to them. That's quite bold. He's saying, look, many, many people saw Jesus after he had raised from the, he'd risen from the dead. That makes it, and I'm not exaggerating, the most momentous event in history, the resurrection. And it changes everything. And it makes the Christian message, truly good news. Let's move on to my second point, the effect of Jesus' resurrection. And this is where we begin to get a sense of the good news. Because Jesus rose from the dead, just like he promised, we know that what he said and what he claimed about himself is true. He is the Son of God. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is the Saviour, he said he was. We are certain that all he promised and all the Father promised he would achieve, he has accomplished. Everything is true. The resurrection declares that. Jesus really is the Son of God. Jesus really did die for our sins, sorrows and griefs. And when he'd borne them, it was all dealt with and he rose again victorious. The holy judgment of God was dealt with. Sins, the wrath of God against our sin was completely satisfied and removed. The resurrection seals and proclaims that everything Jesus did on the cross was done and done well and finished. Tim Keller puts it like this. After a criminal does his time in jail and fully satisfies the sentence, the law has no claim on him and he walks free. Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sins. That was an infinite sentence, but he must have satisfied it fully. Because on Easter Sunday, he walked free. The resurrection was God's way of stamping paid in full right across history so that nobody could miss it. Paid in full. All my sins and iniquities dealt with, removed as far as the east is from the west. Now, you may say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm listening to your arguments and... Uh, you know, John, if you're a Christian, you say, I've probably heard a lot of this before. That's fine. That's fine. And I don't detect quite the reaction that I expect uh, to see on August the 20th in some of the schools around here. I'm not being rude. That's fine. But I just want to spend our last bit getting a bit more excited. All of us. In me as well. Because I want to take a few minutes to just say to you 
that this good news is not pie in the sky when you die. It's steak on your plate while you wait. That's not original. It's not very clever either, but it's true. This is not just theory. It's not just sometime in the future. It's not just a way, you know, nice. This is about good news here and now. And just to help us, I'm going to put up a few uh, uh, headlines of good news that we have seen and achieved through Jesus. Or Jesus, sorry, has achieved and we have come into through him. These are things that are true because Jesus died and rose again. And if you are a Christian this morning, if you've put faith in Jesus, if you haven't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put that right later. But if you have, what I'm about, wherever you go, wherever you worship, you may be just visiting, what I'm about to put up applies to you. It doesn't just apply to the people in this church or any part of the world. This applies to anyone who's in Christ. Anyone who has gone through what we saw this morning, said, I've died with him, I'm alive with him. These things are true of you now because of what Jesus did. And I'm going to allow you to get a little bit excited as we read them. Because this is good news. It's not good advice that you've got to do something about, you've got to try and behave well or try and get this better. It is good news. Let's look at them. There's quite a lot, so we're going ever so quickly. Here's the first one. We are, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are born again by the Holy Spirit. We have eternal life. We are children of God. We can and do know God as our Abba Father, our Dad, our Daddy Father. That's the intimate term. We have access to God, our Heavenly Father. Is that not exciting? Before we move on to the next screen, that is exciting. That's true this morning. It is. That's true for you. You have access to God. You can know God as your Father because Jesus said, I've gone to my God and your God, my Father and now your Father. Here's another screen full. Put the next one up. We have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit with us. I've given the references. If you're interested, you can follow them up. Because Acts 2, that's part of the proclamation Peter makes, that that is evidence of the resurrection. It's a result of the resurrection. We are a new creation. We have total forgiveness for our sins. That's amazing. Everything, whatever you've done, however bad, it can be all removed. It is all removed. In and through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are justified before a holy God. That means made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. You stand before a holy God, pure through the blood of Jesus as death and resurrection. In Christ, you have his righteousness. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You say, oh, well, I'm not perfect. No, we're not talking about you. We're talking about what Jesus has done and what he has imputed to you. What you have in Christ, it's not about how you behave. It's about how he behaved. His performance, not your performance. It's glorious, isn't it? We have that. We are made righteous. Similar thing in Christ. That's also good news. Let's celebrate that for a moment before we move on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. We have the presence. We are new creations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let's look at that. We're going to do that. We've only got two more screens to go. I could have given you a lot more. Right. 
Here's another one. We have peace with God. Is that not good news? You can have peace with God. And if you are a Christian and follower of Jesus, you have peace with God. He has reconciled you to God. You are at one. The atonement has made you at one with him. We are free from condemnation. We've become the people of God. Satan's hold on our lives has been broken. How? Because the legal hold has been removed. The ground's been taken from under his feet. He did have a hold in our lives. He hasn't now. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that good news. Thank you, Jesus. And one more. As I say, only a taster, really. We have freedom from every bondage that sin, Satan, and the world can put on us. It was for freedom that Christ has made you free. Now, you might struggle and say, well, I haven't worked that through yet. Yo, but you have it, and you can work it through. By the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, by the help of other believers, I believe there is no bondage we need to stay under if we are in Christ. Now, that's not to condemn you. That's not advice. That's news, okay? Don't get it the wrong way. You, you, you know, you say, well, I struggle. Yeah, yeah, you, I know you struggle. I want compassion for that. But I'm telling you there is an answer in Jesus. That's the power of the resurrection. We can experience victory over sin. We can experience victory over sin. I know we battle with it. I battle with it. But read Romans 6, 8 to 14. And you will find that through the risen power of Jesus, you can live a new life. You can be, by the Holy Spirit's grace, learn to say no to, to unrighteousness. And you can follow after the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit, walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We need not fear death. We need not. It's very clear. Because we have eternal life and we will go on living with Jesus for the rest of eternity. Our physical death will not break that. We will be absent from the body, present with the Lord. One day we'll have new bodies and be with him and like him. We know we have a certain future with Jesus forever. These are part of the good news. Let's thank him again. Thank you, Jesus, for your good news. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you have done for us. Thank you, Jesus. This is not good advice. It's good news. It's something that you are just told has happened and you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it. You say, yes, you can enjoy it. You just come by faith. By faith you enter. It's not by works. It's by faith. It's no wonder that Paul, when he's writing this sort of stuff, can't help but break out. He breaks out, actually, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 with praise. And he says, in verse 57, we won't read it in the Bible, he says, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's when he's just writing about the victory over death, actually, and the hope to come. But he does it elsewhere, because it's just true. And he can't help do his sort of, whoa, bit. This is true. This is good news. Thanks be to God, he gives me victory over death. Thanks be to God, the sting of death's gone. Amen? I hope you have those whoa moments again and again when you realize the good news, which is what it is. It's just good news again and again and again. 
Tim Keller again. He says, the gospel, he writes, the gospel is the ultimate story that shows victory coming out of defeat, strength coming out of weakness, life coming out of death, rescue from abandonment. And because it is a true story, it gives us hope. Yes, it's not a fictional story. It's not another Hollywood film. It, it has something of that sort of theme that all good stories have, but I think they are pale reflections of this real story of strength coming out of weakness, victory coming out of defeat. But this is the real true story that they are, even the good ones, are but a pale picture of. Jesus is the true winner bringing victory out of defeat. And because it's real and true, it brings real hope. So as I finish, can I say to you, if you're a Christian this morning, can I just challenge you, gently but friendly but firm, Have you got your eyes off the good news? Have you got your eyes off what Jesus has done? Are you a little bit head down, a bit narrow and constricted in your thought, perhaps barely struggling and surviving? Can I lift your head this morning? By God's grace, can I just put my hand under your chin gently and say, look up at the risen Jesus. Come on, remember what he's done. He is alive. We've been singing it. Lovely songs we sang. He is at the right hand of the Father. He has won. The King is on the throne. The battle has been won. The news is good. Amen? Get your focus afresh on him this morning. Refocus on Jesus, the risen Jesus. But maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're not uh, yet a follower of Jesus. Maybe you say, well, I, I've been thinking about it it's not new to me I've, I've listened and I've, I've tried to analyze what I should do and, and, and I'm not sure of this and that and I, I know why I respect that of course I do but I think you need to hear this morning that it's sort of time to hear it as news and believe it put your faith in it put your feet down on it and say I want that it sounds pretty good to me go for it you probably it, there's only there's unlikely many in this room have not heard the gospel in some form but maybe you haven't put your faith in it please can I appeal to you what a great day to do it Easter morning what a great day to put your feet down and say yeah I want to follow Jesus maybe even say and I want to be baptized like we saw this morning some of these folk I think probably most of them had been around in the Christian faith for a bit for a while but this was not um, just an, a nominal thing I did today, just a, a routine thing. They came to a point, no, I want to say it publicly. I want to put a stamp on it. I really do follow you. This is a new moment, rededication. Some of those words were used. Well, maybe that'll be true for some of you. This is the turning moment. Maybe you just feel absolutely a failure, rubbish. And you think, I can't believe that can be true for me. It might be okay for you, John. You're a cheery sort of chap. Well, I'm not. You will talk to Marion. I'm not always cheery. <laughs> but um, let me say to you, if you are broken and fail, feel a failure and useless, actually, you're the most qualified of anybody for this. Jesus very clearly said he came to, for sinners, for the sick, not those who thought they were well, all through the Gospels. He came to the heartbroken and the broken and the lost and the outcasts and the poor in spirit 
He said, they're the ones who are going to be blessed because they're, they're the ones who are going to find that I've come for them. It's going to be harder for those who feel self-satisfied and overconfident in themselves and their own righteousness and strength and feel they've got it all together. They're the ones who are going to struggle. The ones that I've come for are the ones that are broken and realize they're broken. So actually, you're at the front of the queue this morning. You're just ripe for this good news. Remember, it is news, not advice. We're not giving you another load of things you've got to do, another load of efforts you've got to make. Oh, dear, yeah, I do want to tidy my act up, but I find it so hard. No, no. Take it as good news this morning. Let's start there. Put your faith in Jesus and see what he will do. Now, I want to help you to do that uh, if you're in that category, if you're in any of those categories of uncertainty. So let's stand together. Let's just stand because that helps us to concentrate a little bit, I think, as I come towards the end. Um, And maybe the band could come up too because we're not going to go straight into a song. I'm going to help you, if you want to, to be able to take this good news with both hands and apply it to your own life. You too can know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And uh, I want you to know how to do that. And it really is to pray, honestly, a simple prayer to God and mean it. Now, you can use your own words, but to help you, I'm just going to read one. I think it was J. John's one. It's great evangelist. It's a great, simple, clear prayer. So we're all going to be quiet. And I want you, if you want to really mean it, to pray it. And let me tell you in advance, I am not going to make you come forward afterwards either. I'm going to recommend one clear thing you do. If you pray this and mean it, please go to the connect point afterwards after the service, the connect point over by the stairs there and ask for a little booklet. They'll give you a little red booklet called uh, Why Jesus, I think, which you can take away, read and pray the prayer again just to seal it in your heart. But do do that. Don't, don't just make it a nominal thing. If you mean it, please go and do that. But let some of you might be a good point to rededicate. So let's be open to using this simple, simple prayer. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I'll read that again. Thank you, Jesus, that I can get connected to you now because you're alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and your direction from now on. I receive you into my life And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you have made a way for us through Jesus, your Son. Thank you that it is now so easy to receive this good news. So incredibly, humblingly simple. I pray, Lord, that you will help every soul in this room 
to be clear about the gospel this morning. Lord, those of us who've been around for a while as your followers, I pray we'll have fresh zeal, fresh faith, fresh love for you out of this morning. Lord, those who've never known you, open their eyes. May they just come through the door, come home to you this morning and know the good news for their own lives and for themselves. I ask that for your glory in Jesus' name.